Welcome everyone to the Grindhouse Syndicate Auction House, where today we have some very fine, probably not haunted, antique items for you. First up, we have a 1994 Kmart Blue Light Special Little Tyke's Crib that belonged to our very own co-host, Jordan Lowe. Yes, that's right. You can own a piece of Grindhouse Syndicate history. Next up, we have a 1997 14-inch RCA. Most likely, the logo is missing. It is very heavy, colored television owned by a 13-year-old me. It was mine when I was a kid. It does not come with a remote because I think it was lost sometime in 1998. But it is a very beautiful piece. Very beautiful piece. The weight of the television created a gravitational pull that pulled the the uh, remote control. It's pulled out of existence. Exactly. Uh, next up, we have a large mirror with um, fancy wood around the edges. It looks very expensive. It is perfect for a bathroom if you are going for an 1800s look. And you have a large bathroom. And a very big bathroom wall. Everyone who has owned it, though, has died. And uh, under odd circumstances. Uh, so high, I have been told. It is uh, not safe if you had a dog or plants in the home. But uh, we have been fine since we had it. And uh, we just keep it covered up and outside and in a wooden crate. So I wouldn't worry about that. But remember, it is not the item. It is the history that you are paying for. A uh, quick disclaimer that the lawyers keep bringing up. These items may or may not be evil slash haunted and may or may not come with a poltergeist. We are not liable if an evil entity possesses you or your family members, murders anyone, causes you to murder, including yourself, or any of your property is damaged. Now that that is out the way, I hope that you brought your checkbooks because today we are covering the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Flanagan's. Oculus from 2013. Have you seen the cat? Uh, so, <laughs> so Thanksgiving is over. Uh, the time for turkeys and pilgrims has come to an end. <laughs> but before we jump into Christmas-themed movies, we are going to return to our regular-themed broadcast. Um, we just don't want to do a whole month of Christmas stuff. I don't think we would survive that much Christmas cheer. We are very much a um, Halloween household around these parts. Yes, our Halloween decorations are still up in the yard. Uh, not all of them. <laughs> Dude, you're not too proud of that. Not all of them. Um, <laughs> Just the animatronics. I we're gonna we're gonna put Santa hats on the animatronics, and they're gonna be our Christmas decoration. I was thinking the other day, how could I turn the uh, what is he, the Grim Reaper or something on the horse? What is, is it? He? What is? The, yeah, he is a Grim Reaper. On I the was horse. thinking, could I turn the horse into a turkey? No, no, no. You gotta turn him into Rudolph. We could do well, that. Well, now that, um, but this was the oh, other yeah, day when Thanksgiving hadn't happened. I, I already like, had Rudolph. In I my bet head. you I could make him into a turkey. I bet you. <laughs> you you think it. you could make the horse into a turkey? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it would look like I turned a horse into a turkey, but people would get it. <laughs> As they drove past, they would get it. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, would get I, it. <laughs> I definitely think I could do it. Yes. We, but for Christmas, we could get a Santa outfit. 
in hat and put it on the Grim Reaper, Maybe. and we could turn the horse into Rudolph with some fake horns and a red nose, and that'd boom. Be, yeah, that'd be very easy. That would be a dope Christmas decoration that the fucking HOA would love. I think we may have to do this, and then if we do, we will post some photos to the social media sites. Well, I do put up some dope Christmas lights, so I think with the Christmas lights in the background, yeah, I think that'd be a cool picture. It's definitely an idea. I I think we could pull it off. I don't know about the other guy. Uh, we can't really do anything with him. But uh, we hope that you guys enjoyed our Thanksgiving special where we talked about uh, killer turkeys, pilgrim porn stars, and wearing people's faces. Uh, it was some of the most fun that I've had recording in probably the whole time we did this, so... Uh, you guys seem to have really liked the episode. It's done very well. We loved doing the episode, and uh, we want to try to kind of fit more episodes like that kind of in the in the mix. Um, but yeah, it was a great time. I hope that you guys liked it as much as we did. Gobble, gobble, motherfucker. Uh, but if you want to stay up to date on what is going on with us or the show or talk about or submit your movie request or just say hey, which... Um, We've gotten a lot of in the past couple days. Uh, you can always find us at one of our social media accounts. Uh, Facebook at the Grindhouse Syndicate Horror Podcast. Instagram at grindhousesyndicate.horror.pod. And we do some TikTok videos from time to time. The Grindhouse Horror Podcast at grindhouse.horror.pod. And uh, subscribe or follow for alerts on new episodes. And if you really love us and you're not just saying that to get in our pants, give us a review. All those links are always located in the show notes for you guys, except in the Halloween episode because I forgot that one time. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, after I had um, said always, I said, well, somebody's going to call me on that. So let me go ahead and just throw out the fact that, yes, uh, I remember I forgot that one time. I wasn't going to call you. You'll, you no, somebody you'll, will somebody <laughs> will write us and say that you'll you'll never let yourself down. He's very hard on himself. He's lost a lot of sleep over this. <laughs> I got a uh, quite a few messages today that said, tell me about the alligator boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite a few. <laughs> um, if you wrote me that, I responded with a very interesting answer. And the people that got the answer back seem to have liked it. So... Uh, feel free to write me about the alligator boy and I will send you uh, what we know about the alligator boy. That was actually shed some some light for me as well. Yeah, it was good. It, it was good. Uh, so Oculus is a 2013 American supernatural psych psych. I knew I was going to fuck this up. Supernatural <laughs> psychological horror film co-written, edited, and directed by Mike Flanagan. It is based on his short film, Oculus Chapter 3, The Man with the Plan. It stars Karen Gillian and Brenton Thwaites uh, as two young adult siblings who are convinced that an antique mirror is responsible for the death and misfortune that their family has suffered. It was produced by Intrepid Pictures, Blumhouse, and WWE Studios. I don't know why WWE Studios had anything to do with this, because 
don't normally their movies have involved like a wrestler? Um, I know the early movies did, uh, like See No Evil, yeah. um, that had Kane in it. It's really the only one I could think of. <laughs> no, there was another one that had, I think, John Cena in it. Um, I have never seen it. The Rock or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I but I did some stuff with and, him. And maybe in one of his earlier movies he ever did. But yeah, I was very confused for a while on why WWE was in on this. Yeah, I, I I don't understand it either, but hey, you know they're in on it. They're with it. Uh, it was released April eleventh, two thousand fourteen. It has a running time of a hundred and three minutes. It had a budget of five million dollars and a box office of forty four million dollars. I'd say it did pretty damn good. It's a good chunk of change. Yeah, uh, you give Mike Flanagan. Five million dollars to make a movie and a and a pen and a pad. It's gonna make you some money. Uh, the film had its world premiere on September fifth of two thousand thirteen at the Toronto International Film Festival. It received generally positive reviews and was a box office success. Uh, the short, um, the film that it was based on, came out in two thousand five. It contained only one setting in a single actor. It became highly acclaimed and interest quickly arose regarding the adaptation into a feature film. So I kind of wondered why it was called chapter three. And I guess Mike Flanagan's original idea for this was it to be like six different uh, shorts and they would all be, you know, somebody that the mirror had killed. So a lot of these people that, uh, they kind of talk a little bit about the history of the mirror in this movie. Originally, that was set up to those were the original stories uh, that he was going to do. And he ended up I, it didn't say why, but he ended up only doing the this one story. And then this did so well, you know, might as well just make it into a whole movie. But obviously, you can't really have a very entertaining movie with one person in one room. So then all this other stuff was added. and. Uh, I love that they made this into a movie, but I would have also really liked if there was the, like if they would have did the six and this movie, I've been really stoked. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I actually thought about, uh, when the movie went off that it would be a really good opportunity to do a prequel on one of the stories or even I, you know, I didn't think about that, but yeah, do like a short, like a prequel, six different ones of the stories of, other people that the the Lazarus glass has killed. I think there's really good opportunity, and I'm kind of surprised with the success of this movie that that's never been pushed out there. Uh, I would watch a, a a prequel of even one of the stories. Like she goes through a bunch of them, but a couple of them I think they could make into great movies. Well, a lot of people have brought that up, and there's definitely a demand for more of these movies. But he claims that he uh, really just wanted to because he really based this story off of uh, kind of Lovecraft, where essentially you get something that's evil, but you don't know why it's doing it or how it's doing it. You get no answers. It's just this all of a sudden this evil thing hits you out of nowhere. And this is you dealing with this evil situation. So I guess once he had made this, he's 
pretty much wanted to just walk away from it because he thought this is all the story I really want to tell with this. And you know, that, that was really, that's all, I guess all he cared to really do is he had other projects he wanted to move on to. And, uh, I really looked hard to see if there was ever even a story written for a prequel or even a sequel that I could find. And there is not. I could not come up with anything. I gotta say, I'm I'm disappointed in his answer there. Doing, uh, picking one of the other forty five known people that this mirror has killed would be no different than covering this story. Like you, you don't have to like put any backstory on why the mirror's doing this. Like, you know, it, all you gotta do is tell the story of, uh, you know, whoever's killing that movie. Whoever you decide to do the prequel on. So it sounds like he just don't want to do it. Well, he, you know, he ended up signing, you know, a few years later, he ended up signing that huge deal with Netflix. He's been at Netflix for God, probably like six years at this point. And that just ended. Now he's signed a deal with, I believe it's Amazon. He's still got a, a long career. So maybe he'll come back to Oculus. What if, we'll what if we push for Amazon for one of his mini series? Assuming that he's going to do mini series at Amazon, what if he did a mini series, ten episode oh, mini this series would be amazing. on the mirror and the different people that it's killed, and and you know I think in that it'd be hard to make the stories connect, but uh, Mike Flanagan could definitely pull that off and make that fucking amazing. Well, I will tell you this: the the story of this mirror is not dead. And I will tell you exactly what I mean about that later. But Mike Flanagan has not walked away from this mirror. So even though there's not a sequel, there's not a prequel, this mirror is very much uh, something that he thinks is important. And so he's aware of it. The he's story of it has continued. Yes. Okay. So. Well, I think that we need to call up our good friend Rob Zombie and get some of his Hollywood connections so we can get a hold of Mike Flanagan and have him mention it to Amazon. I think that a 10-episode miniseries on some of the past prequel to this would be... I'm excited just just coming up with that in my head. Initially, uh, studios were interested in a found footage format. However, Flanagan was opposed to this and passed on such offers. Eventually, Intrepid Pictures expressed interest in producing the film on one condition. They said, as long as you don't do it in found footage. <laughs> and he's like, eh, it's perfect because I definitely don't want to do it in found footage. Um, on October 27, 2012, filming wrapped in Fairhope, Alabama after just three weeks. So it didn't take very long to film this movie. It's uh, an interesting place to shoot a movie. You yeah. You a whole lot of Alabamas. Yeah, I couldn't really find anything on the actual filming in Fairhope or why they picked Fairhope. I really wish there was more information about this movie, but there's there's not a ton. And Mike Flanagan himself not a set of t- like said a lot of stuff about it. He was nowhere near the kind of story powerhouse that he is now, like that Netflix deal. Um, really put his name it really elevated his reputation because he dropped so many good miniseries on on netflix and he's had some some good movies since then but i mean this was originally he came out with the short in 2006 
I had never heard of Pimp in 2006, and this movie was filmed in 2012. So I, yeah, there's just not I mean, a lot of stuff about this movie. That that's one thing that doesn't surprise me. It's, that's one of the reasons I kind of wanted to cover it because this was a movie that I bought knowing nothing about long time ago. I don't know, but shortly after it came out, I remember being very pleasantly surprised. More people didn't know about this. It's it's so I remember the first time I watched this movie and it was I didn't know anything about it either. I'd never heard of it. And it uh, was on Netflix and I picked it to watch for two things. One, I thought the name was cool Two. I thought the redheaded girl was very attractive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was really, I was really bored. And I remember it also said, you know, it was a psychological kind of mind fuck type movie. And I was like, well, I'm in. And uh, I was very surprised. I did not, I thought it was just like a Netflix kind of, I thought it was a Netflix movie originally. And then um, I was really surprised how good it was. Uh, so the ratings for this, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 75%, IMDb, 6.5 out of 10, Letterbox 3.2 out of 5, and the average audience score on Google is 4s out of 5 stars. Uh, if you would like to see this movie, you can find it free with ads on YouTube, or you can rent it from Amazon, Redbox, Apple TV, Vudu, and Google Play. No Tubi? It was not on Tubi. How are you going to do the... Com- How are we going to get the money to make the exorcism of Santa Claus? I got Claus it, I got it, I got if- it. I just seen yesterday, Scream 4 was added to Tubi. Scream 4 is the only screen that's not on like the Paramount Plus or HBO so- Max because there was some kind of um, uh, thing with the rights or something and it got pulled from Paramount and I was like, well, where's it going to go? Landed on fucking Tubi. Yeah, of course. And that's, um, in my opinion, the second best one. It's good. Yeah, we got to we gotta get that, that money for the, the exorcism of Santa Claus. But I think I got one that might be better than the exorcism of Santa Claus. If we're going to make one movie. So I, I noticed last week that you mentioned that the Night of the Living Dead was they, they messed up. That that's why you see so many ripoffs of it. So get this: Christmas Night of the Living Dead Elves. In the months Zombie leading elves? up to mm-hmm. oh shit! In the months leading up to Christmas, a handful of Santa's elves suddenly die due to a mysterious illness. After a night of delivering presents to happy children around the world, Santa returns home to find a half-eaten Miss Claus torn apart and a North Pole crawling with zombie elves. Can Santa, his reindeer, and the select few elves who survived the initial onslaught live to see New Year's? Dun-dun-dun. Oh, by the way, that's a TM. We, you can't steal it. Don't steal it. We no. just TM'd it. T-T-T-M. Heard, heard it here official. first. Night of the Living Dead Elves. Christmas Night of the Living Dead Elves, man. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Exorcism of Santa or Christmas Night of the Living Dead Elves. Yeah, it just needs to be a double feature. Double feature. Yeah, we'll film them at the same time since we already have the Santa. <laughs> we already have the elves. You know, we'll have to get Mike Flanagan because I feel like he could make this work. They'll just write it into one like, like, crazy, twisty, turning story. <laughs> 
Uh, so you ready to jump into the plot of Oculus? Yeah. All dude. right. So the movie starts out with this title card, and then we get a young girl looking scared peering through a cracked door. And she sees what appears to be her dad walking around the house holding a gun. It's never a good sign. Uh, her and her younger brother start quietly running through the house trying to escape. The door is locked and their dad hears them trying to turn the knob. He then walks up. He points the gun right in his daughter's face. We pan up from the gun only to see a much younger, different man holding the gun than before. He then pulls the trigger. We then jump to a psychiatrist's office where the young man who is holding the gun is discussing his dream he had with his doctor. The young man, who uh, he is one of our main characters, his name is Tim, explains that in his recurring dream, it is always his father holding the gun. But in this one, it was him. And the doctor says some uh, doctor shit, blah, 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 blah. Bam, you're cured. And he is free to finally leave the mental institution that he has been committed to since his parents' death. If only it was that easy in real life. Yeah. <laughs> that he has not. one <laughs> fucking dream. <laughs> he has one dream. And they're like, congratulations, son. <laughs> You've graduated. <laughs> After 10 years of work, we've finally brainwashed you into <laughs> believing this story. They do a really good job throughout this movie, though. Of, I was going to say they of, did a really good job brainwashing <laughs> Well, they did a really good job portraying somebody who had actually been brainwashed for 11 years to believe something that they actually seen wasn't true. Like, the arguments that he puts up with her as they get into this is, like, totally some shit that they would put in your head. You know what happened to him? Is he, he literally went to a hospital and... And they gaslighted him for 10 fucking years. And I mean, we know that's possible because some people get gaslit like just, just from a five minute conversation, 10 minute conversation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if 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 you go into a, a mental hospital and for 10 or 11 years, somebody's trying to convince you that something you've seen didn't happen and they have all the scientific evidence of stuff that happens with your brains where this does happen. I don't, man, after after 10, 11 years, it would be hard for anybody not to question themselves. I I think, too, that she, um, his sister actually does make a statement later on, too, where she's like, I understand because you had to eventually kind of say whatever they wanted you to to get out. And he doesn't answer because I think um, he is probably remembering back to where he figured that out. I mean, it was probably a really long time ago. But at some point, probably when he was uh, just a beginning to be a teenager, he said, man, I'm never going to get out telling these people that this fucking mirror is killing people. <laughs> yeah, and I think at some point after that, he he obviously began to believe it. Yeah, I can definitely see that being a thing, too, because with, with what they went through, you almost don't want to believe it. Like if you yeah, have a, a group, serious trauma, if you have a group of like doctors and psychiatrists and stuff telling you that that's not what happened, I can see it being very easy for you just to be like, you know, what? I don't even want to believe that happened, you know, and just kind of letting go of it and just being like, yeah, you tell me what really happened because I don't even want to think about the reality of what occurred. Uh, so we learn that he is turning 21 very soon, and all the doctors around the fancy wood circle table agree to let him out because he is now normal and better. 
Uh, we then jump on over to an auction house and meet a beautiful red-headed creature of God. And her name is Kaylee. This is Tim's older sister and the younger girl that we've seen in the beginning of the film. Uh, we learn that she works for the auction house and has her eye on a certain antique mirror that is being auctioned off to some unknown filthy rich bastard, I assume. Lucky filthy rich bastard. I can't remember how much they said the mirror went for, but I remember being like, damn, that's a lot of mirror that's a lot of money to see your reflection. <laughs> somebody somebody dodged a bullet and saved a lot of money doing it. Well the question is do they get the mirror back in the end? I mean, well, they, they probably could. do. The auction because house technically takes that's it stolen she never, property. Yeah, the, I'm sure her, the the auction house ends up taking it because she does forge a transfer mm -hmm. thing and she she steals it. I think that the mirror continues on. I definitely do not. Well, think. somebody gets it. It's just a matter of those rich guy, fuckers the, who wanted to buy it. I think they the, got it. I think the rich people probably probably would have gotten it back. Well, not back because they'd never had it, but they would have gotten it because they weren't supposed to get it for a few days. And uh, anyway, so I'm sure that that's considered stolen property, just like if somebody steals your you know, fucking bicycle and the cops find it, they'd give it back to you. So I would assume it would be very similar, especially uh, with something that costs that much money. But next we learn uh, a couple of quick things. One, Kaylee has a fiance named Michael that um, I guess he works at the auction house. Uh, two, that Kaylee will be handling the transfer of the mirror to the new owner for the auction house. And three, she will be picking Tim up from the institution and helping him become a regular member of society. So then we see that Tim is finally all packed up. He is ready to step out into the new world of freedom. Just as soon as he figures out how that glass door works. Man, it's a tough door. Yeah, he gets up to the door and he's just like, mm, I've never been through a glass door before. Like, he's like, can't figure out how to open it. And finally, like this old security guard like gets on a microphone and he's like, hey, son, you just got to open the door when I hit the button. <laughs> it's all this holding you back from the rest of your life. <laughs> It's the pesky doors, man. Yeah. Uh, as he steps outside the front door, Kaylee is standing there waiting, and they go and they grab some food at a very fancy restaurant. It seems, I guess, that when their parents died, they inherited uh, some money because she kind of yeah. does explain to him, like, well, here's, you know, your, your half, half of, the, of estate. the estate. Yeah. So they inherited the house and they inherited some money, and um, he's, you know, pretty good pretty good situation for being 21 yeah and his sister man kaylee has her fucking shit together oh yeah like she she can't be but like what 25 she's only 20, 23 23 yes she is 20 she's like she's already set up him a place to go she's got all his stuff in order like she is i mean he He's got a good sister there. Yeah, she even says, too, like, while she was in college, she was the only person that owned a home. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so Kaylee uh, learns that her brother actually took her off of his visitor list. And this is the first sign that this isn't going to go so well. Yeah, that would suck, man. That, that, would, would, that would hurt. That would, especially after she's uh, yeah. done all this stuff to really set him up to be successful. 
Yep, she just probably spent, you know, months putting together a plan for when he gets out. She probably put that together a long time ago because she didn't know when or if he was ever going to get out, but she had it prepared, and she did all this to make sure he landed on his feet, only to find out that he was like, no, I didn't want you to come see me. I didn't want to see you after the shit we went through. Uh, But Kaylee interrupts the tension by telling Tim that after all these years, she finally found the mirror. The mirror that destroyed our family and took away our futures. The mirror that puts you in that fucking box, Tim. She is determined to destroy, to, to, to destroy this thing. And I guess she thinks Tim is going to be as excited about it as she is, but he is not. <laughs> He is, he is brainwashed. Yeah. He's uh, like, what are you talking about? So this news pretty much shocks him. And Kaylee tells him that she only has the mirror for a few days, but that's just enough time for them to complete their promise. I don't think he really remembers the promise. No, I don't think so either. He doesn't seem like he knows what she's talking about. It, it seems like after being brainwashed that he has, and probably through trauma, blocked a lot of this out, put it somewhere deep. Now he believes this completely other story that their dad just went crazy and killed their mom. I don't think he, I think when she brings up the mirror, he's generally like, what what the fuck are you talking about? I think he remembers the mirror because the doctors probably told him repeatedly, like, shut up about the mirror. That's not what happened. Like what you're saying is crazy. I think he has memory of it, but I think that he, just doesn't believe it anymore. And he's just like, you know, I don't think he really remembers the whole promise that they made about destroying it. And he's pretty much just like, are you still talking about this mirror? <laughs> he's doing, he's doing to her probably he's what the doctors her. did to yeah. him. Yeah, that's exactly what and he does. Doing. That for he like does. half this movie. Yeah, he does. And he's, he literally brings up, and that's why I said they did a great job of making this really realistic he brings up a lot of real stuff that happens psychologically to people in real life that they have drove into his brain of why she thinks that this mirror is had killed their parents and why it, they made that up out of drama. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into here soon. We'll actually kind of get into the really interesting part uh, about the situation. But Right now, we jump to 11 years earlier, and uh, Kaylee, Tim, and their parents are all moving into a very nice new house. And it seems like they are a very normal, kind of loving and happy family. Uh, Their father, Alan, is setting up his new home office, and he has bought some very expensive new furniture for it. And uh, one of the items that we see the movers placing into the room is an antique mirror. So later that night, Alan gets up and he heads to the kitchen for some juice and uh, pretty much like all the lights are off and um, he's kind of navigating his way through like the boxes and the dark. And then he is suddenly startled by a very creepy looking ghost lady with glowing white eyes standing outside his office door. This is kind of our first shot of something creepy, kind of our first ghost shot. And I, as soon as I seen that, I thought, Man, Mike Flanagan's got a thing for glowing eyes. Like right off the top of my head, I was thinking of like other shit where he had ghosts with the white glowing eyes. Like that is one of his go tos for ghosts. That's creepy. It is creepy. It looks really cool. And it definitely seems like uh, 
Like, I guess if I seen that in a movie, I would immediately be like, Mike Flanagan do this movie. Cause that's <laughs> just a thing that he li- likes to do. And uh, anyway, so she's kind of like sitting in a dark corner. So he doesn't quite realize what he has just seen. And he freezes for a moment and he kind of gives it a second look. But the woman is gone, you know, doing ghost shit. And uh, so he walks into his office to see like if the woman is in there. I guess he thinks maybe somebody's in the house. She she had to go to ghost work. (laughs) She had her ghost job. She had to go do. She's like, I got other places to haunt. Uh, this room, uh, appears to be empty, but we do catch a nice long glimpse of this antique mirror. And right after this, we see that, uh, present day K. I'll go ahead and tell you now, this movie is going to jump between these two timelines a lot. And towards the end, the timelines are going to kind of start to blend a little bit. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job here making it really clear of which timeline we're in. But yeah, just heads up, we're going to jump back and forth this whole entire plot. Yeah, and this is beautifully done. But I, I will say, storyboarding this when they were making this, I was I had to have given some people some migraines. Well, I did uh, see that um, when Mike Flanagan was writing this, they actually had to write the... I, I don't know if it was the past or the present, but they had to write one of them in a complete different font to keep it from being confusing. That, and I said, man, sense. I just wrote this whole episode with the movie. And I totally, f- I feel that because it was challenging to constantly be switching back and forth like this. Yeah. So f- it's funny you mentioned that. So I was going to put like a little, uh, asterisk or something by all the, all the ones when they were kids like halfway through I did it for a couple of my notes and I was like well I'm not gonna go back and do the whole other half but yeah I definitely it it gets hard to once you get into it like you don't think it'll be that hard when you're taking notes or sure for them writing it but these stories start to kind of blend together a lot at the end yeah I remember I told you yesterday that we had forgotten when we picked this movie how much this thing jumps around and then the end is the worst because the end you have some people as adult versions of them. And then the other person is a kid's version of them. And you don't really know what the fuck what yeah. timeline you're in. But uh, I think, I think I did a pretty good job keeping it straight. But uh, yeah. So right after this, we see present day Kaylee is having dreams about her dad's office and the mirror. Uh, she walks over to it and she looks at herself for a moment. And when she turns around, we see her father grab her by her neck and slam her into the mirror. Now, when I wrote this, this, you know, couple sentences right here, I had a light bulb. And I'm not going to say anything yet, but I want to come back to this couple sentences right here. Uh, So the next day, we see Kaylee is packing up the mirror to take over to her parents' house. And then the mirror kind of starts fucking with her. And we pretty much learn how the mirror kind of messes with your mind. And while in the storage room of the auction house, the mirror shows Kaylee some like human-shaped figures in these sheets, like with the sheets draped over them. And they're kind of just slightly moving. And this freaks her out for a moment. But, you know, she kind of gets a grip on herself and she remembers that this is what the evil mirror does. Uh, Just then, Tim calls her from his new cell phone. 
he had like a one of the brick Nokia type mm-hmm. phones. Um, and uh, she tells him to meet her at their parents' old house in a few hours. And the look on Jim's face tells us that he is very worried about this trip over there. Because he obviously has not been back to this place since um, all this crazy shit happened. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be weird going back. Oh, there. that would be really weird. Uh, I, I, I will say, did you... So... With the busts, I didn't. I don't know how I never caught this before. I love that scene, by the way, how they just slightly move through the mirror. But you know how she takes one off, and it's it's the bust underneath. She takes mm-hmm. the second one. She goes to grab the third one, and then she gets interrupted. That the third one completely disappears after that. It never existed. Oh no, I did not see that. Yeah, I've never caught that. So she's about to do the third one, and you just assume it's a bust or a statue underneath. And then the guy working there interrupts her, and she kind of jumps. Well, then it, the camera pans back to the other side of her, the other angle, and it has completely disappeared. Damn. And she looks over, and she realizes it's it never existed. And this is your first shot in the movie, the, the first glimpse of how the mirror manipulates your mind and that she's already been through this before so she's not even surprised that it's completely disappeared she knows instantly that it was the mirror fucking with her like it didn't phase her that that is some mike flanagan magic right here that is why um i really love watching all his stuff because you can like i we've talked about it before with hill house where you could watch Hill House like five different times. And instead of looking at the main characters, if you just look at the setting in the background, you can see fucking ghosts like like a figure moving around in the background or some like weird looking tall guy in the background. And the fact that you take the time to put that stuff in there, knowing that 90% of the people who watch it are never going to see it. You know, when when that scene happened, I wasn't sure that they moved mm-hmm. and i was like so slight. i just seen her react and i almost was like did i see them move or are my eyes playing tricks on me did i just assume they moved because her reaction because she's seen them move and it was so small that i'm not even sure if they actually move. And that's that's the beauty in the writing. Like, you know, he makes you feel what she yeah, kind of felt I, I like was, in that moment. I was in the same boat because yeah. I'm not, I would have to go back and watch it. Uh, I meant to do that to see well, if did. they actually move. I did. They do. And the one that slightly moves is the one, the last so it's one. It's not the all big three. One. No, it's, just it's not one. all three, but it's so slight. And it's at such an angle. It almost looks like all three of them are kind of turning. But the the at least the most movement comes out of that third one because I re I rewound it when I'm like, well, did that did the did that whole statue just disappear? And uh, yeah, it did. It completely and it's so so slight. You know, it's it's very easy to miss. But they do make it a point for her. She kind of looks back and almost almost gives a little smile. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, she knows what's going on. And if you catch that, this is your first glimpse of the mirror is so strong at manipulating your mind. It can make you completely see things that aren't there. Uh, So now we are back in the past and we see that all of Kaylee and Tim's, uh, their mother, who his name is Marie, uh, all her houseplants are very quickly dying. And that Alan is starting to hear whispering while in his office. 
And during uh, the family dinner, we see kind of young Kaylee commit the ultimate kid sin. She calls her mom by her first name out of anger. Oh, shit. Yeah, you know, fucked up. Uh, And during this conversation, we see that Alan is kind of zoned out. He's not really interacting with any of his family. He isn't uh, like talking or eating at all. And he begins to chew one of his fingernails till it bleeds. This is some rough shit. <laughs> yeah, he has that scene too where he where he takes the band-aid off and then the band-aid's back on his finger and then he gets the stapler remover and he uh-huh. starts trying to pull the band-aid off. But what he he's really doing is he's actually ripping off? his fingernail off. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 seems gnarly. Just because I mean that's one of those scenes where it's not like super gory or anything, but just like I don't know. For for me personally, the the sight or the thought of my entire fingernail being ripped off by myself and not realizing it just kind of gives me chills. So Kaylee mentions that she's seen a lady standing next to Alan in his office through the window earlier today. And Marie very curiously asked who it was. And uh, Alan plays this off as he has no idea what she is talking about. Man, when your wife suspects that you've got another woman in the house, you need to probably defend yourself better than that. Yep, that was my first thought. Like, if that happened and Brooke was like, what woman was in your office? I would not just be like, there was no woman in my office. I'd be like, well, he's just like, I what? don't know what you're talking about. I would be like, what do you what are you what are you talking about? There was no woman in my office. When did you see this? Where did you see this? Like, I would be like, this 100% did not happen. He did not take this very seriously. No. He just thought the, I don't know what you're talking about, and walking off was just enough, I guess. But Stupid kids. <laughs> in present time, we see Kaylee and Tim arrive at the old house, and uh, it's pretty empty. It looks pretty much like no one has lived there since the uh, the tragedy happened. And uh, Kaylee does have a few houseplants kind of sitting around. And she uh, releases a small dog into the home. Uh, Tim informs Kaylee that he doesn't plan on staying for very long. But she does get him to help her carry the mirror into the house before he leaves. So he's already pulling the whole, hey, I'm not sticking around this fucking place. Um, I got some bad memories going on here and she pulls the, the card of, well, could you help me do one thing, which always leads into you being there a lot longer than you planned. Uh, they carry and place the mirror in their dad's old office, uh, pretty much where it used to sit. And this is where we see that Kaylee has two Mac desktop computers, two MacBook pro laptops and two digital camcorders on tripod setup. And the, she also has like a camera kind of on the back wall that, that records this whole entire room. And uh, every all these cameras and stuff are facing the mirror. She also has a fucking boat anchor on a hinge attached to the ceiling that she calls her failsafe. So Kaylee basically says... She tells Tim, if you ain't helping me, it's time for you to fucking hit the road. Because she's ready. She's got this mirror. She's ready to get started. Right, she's she's been planning this shit can, for a long time. Yeah, you can tell every bit of this 11-year wait, she's been putting this plan together. And she's like, you get the fuck out. 
I'm ready. I'm ready to start. If you ain't staying, get the fuck out. The the amount of thought and precautions that she's put in this was I thought genius. I thought it was absolutely genius. Like the whole if the timer's not reset, it'll destroy the mirror. Essentially making the mirror it, it essentially gives them safety. I thought that that was you, you can tell the time that she spent thinking about this. I would have never thought about that. Yeah, she does a really good job setting all this up and pretty much kind of thinking of it from every angle. I mean, from somebody who went through pretty much the situation with this mirror as a kid, the fact that she has now thought of things that this mirror would do without ever experiencing a lot of what she's planning for. And she's a kid, you know, like you, you have a kid brain. You don't remember every detail of something traumatic when you get older. So she's pretty much like she's done all this research. She kind of knows all of these different ways this mirror can fuck with you or kill you. And she has pretty much planned not only to kind of keep the mirror at bay, but she's also planned to try to, in the most scientific way possible, prove that uh, what happened with her parents was not just a basic, the father killed everybody kind of story. Yeah. The setting the plants up further and further away so it's you can see distance. the range was yeah. fucking, that was super smart. Yeah, she, she does a fantastic job with the planning of this. So Kaylee turns on the cameras and uh, begins recording. And Tim says, you know, I'll stay a little while longer. And she explains that the whole room is set up with cameras to record everything that happens. And uh, she has, basically, she has like these analog alarm clocks that will go off at different times. And this is basically to inform them uh, when like the tapes need changed and uh, pretty much when to drink water and when to eat because they already know that the mirror will manipulate time. So, uh, cause some of these, some of the people that's killed before is literally like starved to death or, or One of died from no water. Died of dehydration in the bathtub. Like this mirror is not only evil, it's kind of like conniving. Like it's kind of like, uh, and it happens to them a couple times in this movie too. Not, you know, there's one I'll point out, but you know, it's kind of like in your face, fuck you. Like, I'm not only going to make you die of dehydration. I'm going to, I'm going to make you die in a bathtub of water from dehydration. Yeah. It's a bastard. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> demon mirror. Uh, so she's even has like a thermostat in every single room. So she can keep track of the temperature changes throughout the house because she knows that every time the mirror starts doing some tricky shit, the the temperature either rises or drops. It will not stay the same. So she pretty much has all these different ways to kind of be able to tell how far the mirror's reach goes and when it's actually doing something in the room. She She's definitely uh, did a lot of planning here. So she also explains that the purpose for all this is to prove that the mirror has supernatural abilities and is basically haunted slash evil. According to her research, the mirror has caused 45 deaths in four centuries since its existence. That's at least 45 that she was able to find any uh, proof of. So who knows? Because uh, she does mention at one point that it disappears for a long time. Yep. And it just ends up showing up again in like Europe, like, you know, 100 years later or something. So 
Yet some of the details of the deaths are very odd, including the, like I said, the woman who died from dehydration while in the bathtub full of water. Uh, there's another woman who actually shattered her own bones with a hammer after drowning her own children. And she, this lady actually lived through this and they asked her about drowning her own children. And she claims that she never did that, that she really just tucked them into bed. So the mirror obviously made her think she was putting them into bed, but what she was really doing was like locking them into a well. And essentially they, they drowned in there. Bro, it's like Mike Flanagan could do so much with that, just that story, let alone like some of the other ones that he's done. Like if they did short stories on this, man, I think it would be fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, So everyone who owns this mirror eventually dies in pretty much some kind of crazy ass way. One of the stories that I was super interested in that they didn't really touch on is the guy who was very overweight that got the mirror. And then uh, he becomes very successful while still having the mirror. And he's super skinny. He's fit. He looked completely different. And it was like, why did the mirror not kill him and gave him all the success? I mean, I guess he dies eventually. But yeah, that's that's really weird. Maybe it was part of the conniving like, way the mirror like, does is like, to give you, him a taste of the success before he takes it from him. Well, what if what if like there's some people who can make deals with the mirror? You know, like a, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Man, Mike Flanagan could do so much with this. Yeah, I was really interested in that, and yeah, they don't really touch back on that. And I was like, man, what what's going on there? But so um, this is where we also learned that Tim and Kaylee have different opinions on what actually happened with their parents' death. Kaylee believes that the mirror used its power to trick the minds of her mother and father until it ultimately killed them. And it appears that Tim originally backed this story up when they were kids, but after years of treatment and doctor supervision, he now believes that they have made the story up because they didn't want to believe their father was capable of murdering their mother. We also find out that Tim was the one who ultimately had to stop his father by shooting him dead in front of Kaylee. And uh, one of the last things Kaylee explains is how the failsafe works. It is a 20-pound anchor with another 20-pound weight attached to it. It has been mounted on a swinging bracket on the ceiling and is connected to a manual kitchen timer that must be physically reset every 30 minutes. If this time is not reset, the anchor will be released and it will smash the mirror, destroying it. To prevent the mirror from manipulating the clock, this system uses no electricity. This situation, this kind of deal right here, uh, becomes very important kind of in the rest of the story because this is what they're using to kind of force the mirror to do what they want it to do. Mm -hmm. This is also their way of ensuring their survival. Well, that was the thought process of it. It was like a, a ensured their safety. If they weren't, if one of them, if she planned on doing this by herself, if she wasn't alive to reset that timer, uh, then the, the mirror, mirror would, would be destroyed. So it would make sure that she was there to reset this timer. 
So back in time, we start to see the mirror kind of uh, messing with the family's minds. And at the beginning, it's definitely focusing on Alan the most. And it's uh, like making him hear things and he, he sees stuff that's not, not really happening. And it seems to be kind of mostly centered in or around like his office where the mirror sits. So it's like the mirror when you first bring it in or whatever, like it, it can only go in like the immediate room. But then we see the longer they have it, the kind of the more the more powerful it gets, uh, the, the further its power like stretches. Uh, he starts to think that his uh, children are like the cause of some of the odd things in his office that's going on, even though they like adamantly deny like ever going in there. He is uh, kind of a dick about it. Uh, we also begin to see that Marie is being affected by the mirror as well. She has begun to see glimpses of a woman downstairs at night. And she thinks that she keeps hearing uh, Alan make rude comments to her when she turns her back to him. And she thinks that she can hear him talking to another woman in his office at night. She also looks at her reflection in the mirror and sees herself as more and more unattractive. And this is where we see that the mirror does a really good job of like playing on people's insecurities. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, that, that is how it starts kind of sinking its teeth in. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this later on in the story, but the, the mirror seems to have a much better uh, ability to sink its teeth into you when you're vulnerable. Oh yeah. Which is why I think that he, that the mirror goes after his wife. I think that's a big part of it. And also this this is big on the mirror is pitting them against each other. Which if you look in the present day, uh with Tim and um Kaylee. Kaylee. Tim and Kaylee. No, now I gotta have my name messed up. Tim and Kaylee, they're doing the same thing in present time. The mirror at first kind of pits them against each other. Well, yeah, I mean no matter who you are, like you're always more vulnerable when you're by yourself. Anytime you can band together you know uh you're always stronger and the mirror immediately pretty much in any situation it seems like it gets into it immediately starts playing on people's insecurities and trying to separate them yeah this is interesting because this is what uh, a lot of very narcissistic controlling people do in real life to people in these situations they always try to separate you from people who love you people that you're close to and uh get you alone so it's interesting that they also they, cults do that yeah <laughs> cults cults as well maybe a cult built the mirror uh, at one point the dog is like barking to get into alan's office while alan is gone and marie finally says fuck it she's kind of like really angry at this point and she lets him in and she pretty much locks him inside and once alan returns he goes to let the dog out only to find that the dog has vanished into thin air. Where did the oh, dog go? They, they, the dog vanishes. The dog's well, gone. Yeah, but, but, but the mirror just well, absorbed the dog? Yeah, well, she explains that. That in like four other cases before that, that, that it was reported that their dogs went missing and, and were, never came up again. Huh. And that's why, yeah. Cause, yeah, I just wonder, like, what does it because do with Tim the dogs? <laughs> Tim remembers it as, uh, yeah, you I'm know, about to go over that, but yeah, kind of. And, but she's like, no, that you're remembering it wrong, and clearly she's right in this situation because he's brainwashed. 
And then that's when she references to like four other cases of the people dying that had been mentioned that their pets had completely went missing and never been seen again, which is why she brings a dog that she named Dog. Yeah, so this is interesting because this is really like one of the first situations where we see that Kaylee and Tim have completely different memories of what happened to the dog. And we know that one of their brains is making up memories that didn't actually happen because you actually see two different versions of kind of what the deal is. You see, you know, the version where the mom locks the dog into the office and then the dog is just gone. And then you see Tim's memories of it where the dog was sick and his mom was on the phone that Alan had actually taken the dog to the vet because, and and he basically called to say the dog was die. It was going to die. wasn't coming back home. And it's just really crazy that two people can have memories of the same exact thing, but then be completely different memories. Yeah. And it's not really ever clear if, his memories were changed. Uh, he kind of came up with that memory by being brainwashed for 11 years in the hospital. And his that's what his brain come up with to make sense of it. Or did the mirror manipulate him as a kid and he seen the dog die? He thought he seen the dog die, but that didn't really happen. We know the mirror can make you see things that aren't there. So, so you know, did he, did he come up with that or did he actually... St- think he'd really seen it i i if i had to pick one i think that his brain come up with that because you know one thing that we have learned is um in the study of like eyewitness testimony uh we basically have run a lot of experiments where you have you know 20 different people you have something you know happen in front of them very quickly and then you take those people individually and you ask them to describe what happened. And a lot of times you do not get the same exact description. Some people this have is- like a complete different version of what happened. And it's because your brain f- tries to fill in the gaps to stuff. There's been a study on this that used 9-11. K- kids yeah. that were kids during 9-11. And they found out that a lot of the kids' stories of what actually happened on 9-11, especially the ones that were in New York at the time, weren't possible. Like, they're, they they didn't make the story up. Their brain made it mm-hmm. up. Do they had, they had, like, you know, bits and pieces of memories that they had, and then their brain Fills makes up gaps. to yeah. fill in the gap. So I agree with you. I think that this was throughout his years in the hospital, something that he made up to fill that gap. I don't think the mayor was able to get to the kids very well whenever they were kids, especially this this early on. They did see the girl a couple of times that they said that was in their dad's uh, office. But I think there's a reason that the mayor didn't get to the, the kids that uh, I'll mention later. So Tim and Kaylee, they start to argue over their different memories of what happened before their parents died. And Tim points out that nothing strange has happened yet and that the mirror is just a mirror. And he begins to tell Kaylee that uh, she is the one uh, who her memories are false. And it is because that she is in such denial about what really happened. And Tim believes 
that his father was having an affair and their mother suspected it. This caused a lot of fights and ended in Marie having a mental breakdown. Almost called him Adam. I typed out Adam. His name's Alan, right? Alan. Yeah, it's yeah, Alan. Alan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alan Adam then confined and isolated her in the master bedroom and began to torture her and eventually killed her. Uh, after Marie's death, uh, once again, I wrote Adam, then attempted to kill his children. And this is why ultimately a young Tim had to shoot and kill his father. Man, did I fucking write Adam through the rest of this shit? For the record, there is no Adam in this movie. No Adam in this movie. I do. I don't know why I called him Adam. Adam and Alan. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I don't know if I wrote Adam in the rest of this episode. (laughs) So if I call him Adam again, just know I'm talking about Alan. (laughs) Oh. This but has happened this before. This happens too many times. <laughs> I just start writing so fast, man. I just <laughs> yeah, this is the second time a a person that didn't exist. This wasn't as bad as the first time. Though. The first time was like a completely different name. You wow. had to completely do somebody who wasn't even in the movie. Uh, Tim starts trying to talk Kaylee into believing that she needs psychological help to uh, understand what actually happened and that her brain has made all of this up because she is so overwhelmed with grief. And uh, Kaylee starts to have a breakdown and it seems like she uh, might believe what Tim is saying could be true. She finally has like an emotional break and gives in to what Tim is saying. He talks her into turning off the cameras and just going home. And just as she walks into the room to shut everything down, she is stunned to find that the two cameras have been moved into the center of the room and are now facing each other. The two chairs, two standing lamps, and two dead plants have also been moved into the middle of the room. A relieved Kaylee calls Tim into the room to see what she has found. A shocked and devastated look now appears on Tim's face as he stares in disbelief at the situation in the room. And Kaylee runs around the room basically saying, I fucking told you so. I do want to rewind a part right here. I probably didn't put it in here because it wasn't super significant, but I want to see if you caught this because I'd never caught this in the movie either. So the dog, while they're arguing, uh, Tim lets the dog out. He frees the dog. He's like, you're not going to hurt this mm-hmm. dog. This is wrong. They're arguing. Right before that, they're arguing, and the dog is barking, and he's barking louder and louder and louder. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but Kaylee yells, shut up, Mason. That was their dog's name oh, from no, when yeah, they were a kid, that. and it's the exact same words that the mom yells to the dog. Oh, and yeah, before no, they did, that. did, did she, not pick up on that. The same, same exact line, same exact yell when the dog was barking. She yells, shut up, Mason. Yeah, right, before she put him yeah. in the uh, the office. Yep. I, just, I, I never called that before. I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, jump forward to... Uh, them discovering that the cameras and stuff were turned. Tim is clearly shook. Oh, like he his is mind fucking, is broke at this point. And and I I don't blame him. Like you got to think that you believed one thing. You have been in the hospital for eleven years of them 
rewiring your brain to believe something else. And now you have to unwire. Now your brain instantly is getting rewired again. Like, but very man, quickly. <laughs> yes, yes, in an instant. Like you could imagine that you would you would go through a mental break right there. At that point, I would start thinking, am I like schizophrenic? Like what's going on here? Like I what I don't know what's real and what's not. Well, I think one of the biggest things is imagine the fear that rushes back because you instantly remember all of the fucked up shit that happened when uh, this happened last time. And then, you know, he goes into the hospital and of course he's freaking out and they're like, listen, you don't have to be scared because that stuff didn't really happen. That stuff can't happen. It's impossible. And it probably took a long time for him to accept that. And then not only did he accept it, he now fully believed that. And then all that's yanked away. And now he's realizing that all that scary shit that he was scared of and that happened is now, but he's now standing back in front of this mirror. He wasn't afraid to walk into the room with the mirror yeah. earlier that day. Yeah, he, he said, he, this is impossible. He agrees to stay. Yeah. He's, he literally says, I'll stay a couple minutes because he's, he's not scared. And I would imagine at this point, he is now regretting that because that, that would be a mind fuck. And, and it's, it's worse now, too, because he just listened to, you know, maybe 40 minutes before, listened to his sister literally explain the stories of all these other people that have also died in these terrible yeah, ways. Yeah, that's a good point. So now, they you know, the mirror can do more than you even thought it could. Yeah, they didn't know that as kids. That's a good point. Yeah, so n- not only is everything you remembering that as a kid coming true, but now you know that. This wasn't just, you know, you think a mirror is a lot more beatable. Oh, we're adults now. We were kids then. We know the jig. You know, it's there's you have a lot more confidence in finding a way to survive this situation. But when you've just read about 45 cases of people that have owned this mirror that tried everything to get out of this situation. I mean, there was a the guy who tried to break it. And then ran out in traffic. Yeah. And, you know, you now you're like, oh, my God, am I ever going to walk out of this house alive? Yeah, uh, he, he is broken. He is very broken. And then you can he does a really good job of acting. Yeah, the actor, you, yeah. you see how scared and lost he all of a sudden is. But so Kaylee and Tim uh, review the footage of the third camera on the wall only to see themselves just moments before having the same argument while they were rearranging the stuff in the room so the mirror literally like makes them do what it wants them to do but they have a a memory of it like they don't have any memory of this they think that they were in the other room arguing this is obviously not that shocking to kaylee because she knows but to tim i mean this is all hidden so fast and he's got to be sitting there thinking well oh my god i'm looking at a footage of me doing this and i have i wasn't even in this room not yet that's you know what i just realized too in that footage they never showed him the whole part in the middle of the argument where he lets the dog out oh yeah good yeah point. so the they 
the mirror made them imagine all that. That never happened. The dog disappeared. Yeah, they the, took the, the dog, and then yeah. so they didn't be like, "Oh my god, it did take the dog." Yeah, they he, the mirror made up a whole entire memory of them releasing the dog. Yeah, I just realized that. Yeah. Wow, maybe that's why the dog was barking so much because the mirror was, I don't know, sucking it into yeah, the mirror or something. We that, don't really know what it does with the dog, but. The dog is obviously barking. Well, that's 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 what Mason, their dog as a kid, did right before he disappeared. He was in, he was locked in the room with it, and he was barking. And they were like, "We can't get the dog to shut up." That's when the mom yells, "Shut yeah. up, Mason!" Well, at that same time, and it makes a lot more sense now of why they put it in there. That uh, Kaylee yells, "Shut up, Mason!" Just like the dog, as the dog is is being taken by the mirror. She said the magic words, and it says, "Yeah, right into the mirror." Uh, so Tim immediately starts to have a mental break and attempts to call his doctor from outside, but his phone does not make the call. Kaylee then informs him that he never went outside and he never tried to use his phone. So you know, this mirror is hitting hard. Quit. I mean, it's like some ass, like some crazy good acid. The it's crazy bad acid. This is about to be a bad trip. Time. <laughs> um, so back in the past, we see that Marie is becoming more and more unhinged as the children mention that they keep seeing a lady and uh, Adam. <laughs> I wrote Adam. Okay, um, I guess he's going to be Adam the rest of this fucking he, movie. You no, know, he's uh, got to be Alan because my notes are Alan. Uh, 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 so his Alan Adams office at night and Marie gets possessed by the mirror and attempts to strangle Tim. Kaylee saves him and the kids kind of run up to the room with a crazed Marie chasing after them. They hide in the room while their mom beats wildly on the door. Adam arrives home and Marie attacks him as well. And uh, he puts that fucking sleeper hold on her ass. He gets her with that cobra clutch, locks her up, and she passes the fuck out. Adam, Adam, Adam. Oh my god! I think I literally wrote his name as Adam in the whole rest of this episode. <laughs> you just uh, I, I had you had a change of heart. I had the fucking cast up. Ah, oh, fuck it. No, <laughs> just hey, just changed your mind halfway through. No, it happens. I don't know what happened. Sometimes I decide to call people names that they're not. Alan yeah. attempts to call nine one one, but the mirror disrupts this, and then we see. Alan drag Marie into the bedroom and then carry chains and a hammer in with him. Later that night, Alan explains to Tim and Kaylee that their mother is very sick and needs to stay in bed for a few days. He doesn't want them to bother her rest, so they are not allowed to go into the bedroom at all. He also refuses to say what is wrong with Marie or answer any questions or any of their concerns about what is going on. So this right here is even more that it's kind of showing you that the mirror, the more vulnerable you are, the more power the mirror has. And that's kind of Tim. When this shit first starts happening, Tim has a mind break Mm -hmm. and it's hitting him really hard. Well, the mirror kind of sets this whole other woman thing up. It is when Marie has this break in the office that her scar opens up. And as her scar opens up, that is the evil mirror entering her. That's when it takes her over. Well, she, she also 
kind of pisses the mirror off because she throws something at it. And the mirror immediately is like, oh, bitch, you want you want to try me? Yeah. And fucking instantly hits her with a evil spirit punch, I guess. So I have a, th- I have a theory on this. And we'll get more into it. But I think that the the mirror can't it's having a hard time getting to Tim. In the beginning of this movie, the mirror tries to fuck with him a lot, but he kind of he kind of brushes it off. I think he's really headstrong. That's when it starts this plot. It uses the kids to bring in this other woman and it starts to as a, a lot easier of a time getting to Marie. And it, it eventually takes over Marie completely. I think that the dad was telling the kids to stay out of his office because I think he sensed I think he sensed something the entire time from the beginning with that mirror because he's seen that apparition, the stuff happened with his fingernail, but the mirror was having a really hard time because he was still going golfing with his buddies. Like, you know, he was it maybe mentally affecting him a little bit, but it was having a really hard time getting to him. I think he sensed it, and that's why he told the kids to stay out of his office. I think that's why he put a lock on his office door and didn't want the kids in there because he sensed there was something wrong. And it, it eventually takes over Marie at her most vulnerable point. Tim has stayed strong this whole time until he has to save his kids. He has to choke his wife out. Poor Tim. Like, I'm thinking as T- a Tim's husband. Tim's the son. Not Tim. Alan, I'm oh, sorry. You mean Adam? <laughs> He's got three fucking names. <laughs> yeah, so Alan, Alan's been headstrong this whole time, and he chases his wife down. She's trying to kill his kids. He has to like he gently chokes her out the best he can. This is now him at his vulnerable spot, and this is when he tries to call nine one one. He's freaking out. Yeah, this is when it really and this gets is him. this is when it finally gets him. But I, I don't think it fully has him. It obviously fully has her. But this is when it starts really affecting him. And this is him at his most vulnerable point. Yeah, because up until he made that, tried to make that phone call, we see um, scenes with him as being just normal. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's kind of maybe has a little bit more of an attitude with the kids. And I think a lot of that was them staying out of that room because he didn't want them to go around that mirror. And uh, like I said, I'll touch on this as the the movie plays out some more evidence of this. Yeah, I think it, it had a hard time getting to Tim for some reason. He was very headstrong. He's not very vulnerable. It got the wife and that caused. You mean Alan? Alan. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Alan, yeah, I I think he, he was very headstrong. I think the mirror had a, a difficult time getting to him. Well, the wife becoming crazy becomes His, Alan's insecurity. Yeah, 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 that's it. When he chokes her out and then the kids come out and he has to tell him, no, 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 go back in the room. Like that situation, you can tell he's, he's, he's like, oh my God, my wife tried to kill my kids. Now I choked her out. My kids are coming out the room. Like I'm, I literally obviously had just choked her out. They're, they're freaked out. I don't want them to see this. I got to call 911 and get help for my wife. That's him finally at his most vulnerable position. So in the present, we see uh, Kaylee has moved the cameras back facing the mirror, and she asks for Tim's assistance while uh, handing him an apple to eat. 
Kaylee then has a quick flashback of her dad walking up the stairs. She then goes to change a blown light bulb in the kitchen. She places her apple on the countertop and puts the new bulb into the lamp. She then picks up her apple and takes a bite, only to freeze at the sound of glass falling at her feet. She then looks to see that she has taken a bite out of the old light bulb instead of the apple. She then spits out blood and realizes that her mouth is full of glass. When I watched this, you know, I didn't necessarily remember it, but I I do remember this trailer with the light bulb and the apple. That's a good do remember that's a good that. thing to put in the trailer when that I, is a skin crawling scene. When I seen this movie, I was like, Oh shit, I remember this. I remember this was the main focal point in the trailer. So Tim calls out to Kaylee, and as she turns towards him, it is revealed that the uh, bulb is actually just an apple, and the mirror is just fucking with her. I'd be so happy to find out that (laughs) at least, uh, you know, the mirror didn't fully fuck with her to the point of her biting a a fucking light bulb. Well, I think think the mirror knows that if it really caused her to bite into glass, they would have to leave and go to the hospital, and the anchor would... I think the mirror's just a fucking asshole. Mirror's a dick. And also, I think she's a lot more headstrong, and I think that's why it 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 fucks with uh, Tim a lot harder at first. Whenever it reveals itself, because um, Tim kind of falls apart, she is a lot stronger. So I think this is the mirror trying to fuck with her, and it's just kind of having a hard time. We then jump back uh, in the past, and we see that Kaylee and Tim are hungry, but there is no more food left in the house. And they attempt to tell Alan, oh, he's back Alan again. All right. Uh, But then he is uh, pretty much way too zoned out with the mirror to care. Uh, They say, fuck it. And they decide to go tell their mother, Marie, what is going on. They enter the room only to find that it is in disarray. They don't see Marie in the bed. So they kind of walk over to the other side of the bed And they are very startled when Marie jumps at them in madness. She looks uh, very bad. Some of her teeth are missing. Uh, Her mouth is bloody and she has been chained to the wall. Uh, Alan is furious that they went into the room and denies that their mom needs a doctor. They attempt to call one themselves, but keep hearing the same voice on the line, just telling them to have their father call instead. Uh, Kaylee goes to a neighbor for help, but Alan kind of talks his way out of it, explaining that Kaylee is using her mother's illness for attention. And if I was that neighbor, I'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, I understand. And I'd go right home and I'd call the fucking police. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't be like, yeah, He does play it off good, though. Yeah, I will say he plays it off good. Um, But if a kid called me and told me that, I would... I. Probably just send the police over there anyway. (laughs) Uh, So back in the present, we are starting to see that the events from the past are beginning to blend with the events of the present. Uh, Kaylee and Tim like aren't even acknowledging each other because they are kind of like both in stuck in their own uh, like visions and flashbacks. The mirror has started kind of tricking them with two completely different things and they're kind of lost from each other in these like flashbacks and stuff. They're on two separate trips. Yeah. 
uh, it has become very apparent now that they cannot trust anything they see or hear. Uh, Kaylee is walking around the house, turning lanterns on while the power is out when she is suddenly startled by her dead mother's image. And in a panic, she stabs Marie in the neck with a piece of glass, only to realize it's actually her fiancé, Michael. And just then, her phone rings, and when she answers it, it's Michael on the other end asking how she is doing. What a mindfuck that Bro, is. this is another evidence of this mirror is not just killing people. It is a fucking asshole. Because as we learn, the she did kill her husband. So he just added that phone call, or the mirror, I don't say he. The mirror added this phone call in there just to be a dick. Yeah, I was trying to, because it, I, I was trying to find the evidence to point me in the direction of, of, of either or. Because, you know, the kill count of, you know, essentially him getting killed, it's not like officially from the movie or anything. This is just from other people who watched these movies. And I'm like, well, you know, wait a minute. We don't know for sure if he's dead. And I will say that the one thing that makes me go over to the side that he is dead and really dead is, uh, is this. Could the mirror time the phone call? with showing her Marie and her stabbing Marie in the neck. Because one thing yeah, that has it to doesn't happen have control is over the phone call. You have to time the the real Michael and it pretending to be Michael and Kaylee killing Michael all together. Can the mirror do that? Probably not. But can the mirror when she does kill Michael do the phone call? Yes. Easily. Also, he shows up as an as one of the apparitions. Like all these, all these apparitions that show up as as dead bodies yeah, throughout, like ghosts. Of it's this all mirror. the people that the mirror has claimed, and he shows up as one. Yeah, and also, and the mirror has no idea what he looks like or who he is. Mirror's never seen him before. Yeah, so uh, I I do think that she actually did kill him. She also mentions like first she thinks it isn't true because the glass on the ground wasn't real, but then Tim realizes that it's actually from the pot that she kicked. That is real. But she uses the camera too. That's, that's one thing she's using to see. Yeah. But the, I feel like the mirror could trick her with the camera. Like I, at the that's in the possibility. The mirror could make her think that the camera's reliable when it's yeah, not. Yeah. I, I could see that too, but I think him showing up as an apparition and the phone call added in there. For me, I, there was never any question for me that he, he actually died. So uh, Kaylee begins to have a breakdown and Tim takes her outside. He calls for help and he tries to convince Kaylee to just sit outside and let the kill switch timer run out and destroy the mirror. This is the plan I would have went with. This is what I love about this movie is that especially Kaylee she is a super headstrong she does as an as an audience member watching this movie she goes above and beyond she does shit that you would have never even thought of like all these fail safes this isn't one of those movies with stupid horror movie no. characters where you're like why the fuck would you do that they do everything that you would do in these situations and these are david's kids yeah, David, <laughs> David, David from Vacancy, man. He had some, he had some kids that must have raised him right. 
Um, they they one hundred percent make the right decisions, and they get put in these situations where it, it, it what's about to happen and the the storyline which you're about to get to is like, I don't know what the fuck I would do. Yeah, I would stay outside because of what we're about to discover. I would be like, why is the mirror showing me that? Unless it wants to bake me back in. It's how I would see it. Plus, after all the shit that I've seen inside the house, I don't think I'd go back in. Especially considering I just killed my fiance and he's right there at the fucking door. (laughs) I can't really avoid seeing his body. So The thing is, too, though, even if they do stay outside... The mirror is can manipulate reality so much they don't even know if they're actually outside. Yeah, they have well, no that, idea. that's why they go back in because <clears throat> yeah. they're unsure. Yeah, they're even maybe outside. We're not out here. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is really us. But yeah. I think that after everything that happened, uh, I put myself in that situation. I think I would just be like, "Well, this is the point where we we see if we're really outside or not." Because in a couple minutes we're going to be fucked or that mirror is going to be fucked, but we're going to stop it here. That'd be me. At this point, my brain would probably shut down and I'd sit my ass in that yard and I'd be like, I'm just not moving, not doing anything else. And like you said, the police will either show up and the mirror will get broke or we'll die. But at this point, my brain would be so fucking fried that I don't, I don't, it would just be easier just to sit down. Yeah, so anyway, uh, they're outside, and then they see themselves through the window, still inside, and now they are both just standing in front of the mirror, waiting on the anchor to release and kill them. And we see that uh, Marie has, we go back in the past, we see that Marie has went like full fucking Reagan, and Alan has loaded his gun and went into the bedroom. He then releases Marie from her chains, pretty much sets her free, and she then attempts to kill Tim and Kaylee. A possessed Marie catches Kaylee and begins to strangle her before coming to and realizing that she is killing her own daughter. And we see Marie kind of just turn back into herself for a moment. And just when this happens, we see a bullet exit her chest as she falls to the floor. The camera then pans behind her to reveal Alan holding a gun as he shoots her two more times. The kids attempt to smash the mirror with golf clubs only to realize that they can't hit it. Every attempt that they make misses and hits the wall next to it. Alan points the gun at Kaylee's head and goes to shoot her. But before he pulls the trigger, Tim strikes his arm with the golf club knocking the gun from his hand. Alan then begins to strangle Kaylee. Tim picks the gun up and demands that he let her go. Alan does this and turns around to face Tim. Alan gets on his knees and basically tells Tim to shoot him. Tim hesitates, but Alan puts his hand over Tim's and pulls the trigger for him after telling them to run. The gun goes off and Alan's body slams against the mirror, putting a crack in it. Alan's body lay on the floor as Kaylee screams for her father, and just then, Tim and Kaylee notice that all the ghosts from the mirror's past are kind of walking towards them. It's the first time we're really seeing a bulk of these creepy ghosts all together, and it's very kind of zombie-like. Yeah. Very creepy. Yeah. um, 
my my theory on what what has happened here is this mirror still wasn't able to get a hold of Alan. This well, whole this time, Marie too. Though. I think this whole time, Alan is fighting the mirror. He's going against the mirror. I think it it is fucked with his head. Obviously, like he's gone crazy. He's become obsessed. He sits and stares at the mirror. Um, the kids are being completely neglected. He doesn't want to kill his wife. I think he's he's wanting he's trying to defeat this mirror, and he doesn't know how to do it. And he doesn't want to kill. You know, he doesn't want to kill his wife. He doesn't want his kids to get killed. He is trying to figure out how to beat this mirror the entire time. Finally, he says, fuck it. He loads the gun, goes in there, realizes he can't kill her. That's why he sets her free. But instead of her going after him like he planned, she goes after the kids. And he goes to save the kids. And right whenever you see her come back, right as she's strangling Kaylee, that's when it fully takes him over. That is his most vulnerable spot. He is watching his wife now strangle his his daughter, and that's the first time that the mirror actually fully takes him over. And that's why he just continues like just shooting in her afterwards. And despite that, he is able to fight the mirror at the end. And uh, whenever he basically kills himself, he guides Tim's hand over the gun, puts it to his chest, and tell, tells him run. And uh, uh, he falls back and cracks the mirror. I took this as kind of symbolic as out of all these people, Alan's been the first person to ever hold off the mirror. And in the history, he's been the first person to ever hold off the mirror completely. And him dying is what puts the crack in the mirror. That's the first crack that the mirror has a weakness. Alan's been the first person to ever basically fight it but i I think that that was alan's most vulnerable moment he he didn't want to kill his wife clearly but his wife was killing his kids and that's that was it the mayor finally got him um yeah i think it's something we'll never know because i think it's supposed to be i think it's supposed to be a mystery i don't think there's any clear answer but but the whole him him protecting the kids and going against the mirror that whole time that's something that i never picked up watching this movie in the past is that he was he was protecting the kids from the mirror the whole time i think he sensed from the very beginning when he seen that apparition that there was something wrong with that mirror and he didn't want them anywhere around it yeah i think he realizes that he's got to have tim kill him because he has already realized that he is he just can't keep fighting this mirror. And if he does he has this very small window of being himself and they've got to just kill him in order for them to survive. But yeah, uh Tim is suddenly brought back to the present time by the sound of an alarm going off. He is sitting in front of the mirror alone uh with Kaylee nowhere in sight. Then we see a young Kaylee uh, walking up to the mirror with, and it has like the mirror has like her mother's spirit calling her from like the reflection of the mirror. And, you know, she gets emotional. She drops her golf club and she begins to walk towards her mother. 
Uh, they share a warm and embracing hug. And while this is happening, we see an adult Tim walk over and release the anchor and finally destroy the mirror. He's pretty much had enough of this shit. And once the anchor swings down, Tim is shocked to see that it has hit the adult Kaylee in the back of her head, killing her. Tim slowly realizes that this is not a trick by the mirror. He has killed his sister with his attempt to destroy the mirror. The police arrive and view the camera footage, which shows Kaylee standing in front of the mirror and Tim walking over and releasing the anchor and killing her. Tim is then arrested is then arrested and placed in the police car as he screams it wasn't him, it was the mirror. We then see Kaylee is now a ghost of the mirror, standing in the window of the home with her mom and dad. And that is the end. The mirror wins again. What a very bleak, very bleak ending. Yeah, I, I love it. I thought it was a great ending. But yes, very grim, very bleak. And you find out that he did actually call 911. They were outside. Mm-hmm. And the mirror tricked them and tricked him into killing his sister. I think he's now got to live with this torment for the rest of his life. So this is the second time he's escaped the mirror and survived. But now he has the torment of killing his sister for the rest of his life. So although he lived, he's, he's, he's going to go to jail. He's got that crack forever. He's yeah, he's going to live in prison. And he's probably going to live in a mental facility yeah. for the rest of his life with that. And uh, I think it's kind of symbolic that uh, Tim was the one to cause the crack and the only crack that's ever been able to be put in the mirror. And this was kind of almost, you mean Alan? Alan, yes, but Tim, oh, it was yeah. Tim that essentially mm-hmm. took the golf club and knocked the gun out and was, yeah. was going to shoot. So he was the one who lived from that situation. It's almost like that payback. Like the mirror lived with this crack, and now Tim has to live the rest of his life. He survived, but he's got this crack that's he's never going to overcome. Yeah, it's, it's very much um, killing him would have been easier on Tim than what he's going through. Yes. The ultimate payback. Yeah. What a fucking bastard mirror. (laughs) Yeah. This thing is terrible. The mirror could have easily just allowed them both the timer to go off and then both to get hit. But instead of doing that, he essentially, or not he, the, the mirror essentially, uh, allowed Tim to live. Um, what a motherfucker, man. <laughs> yeah, one thing, and I can't even, I can't wrap my brain around it at the moment because it's just so much thinking, but one interesting thing is, so kid version of Kaylee is the one standing at the mirror, but in real life, it's the adult version of her standing at the mirror. So it's almost like, you know, they're playing both parts of this timeline. Like they're experiencing both of these things because when we see, um, when we get to the end where everything's kind of mixed around, when we see these scenes in the past, we don't see like Tim standing in the corner watching a young version of him and a young version of Kaylee go through this. They're experiencing it. 
and they're just kind of hopping back and forth. And you even see a couple scenes where you have like adult Tim and child Kaylee or adult Kaylee and child Tim together in the same scene. And you're just like, you know, is this like one of those things where it's just was always meant to be like, I mean, I don't know, man, it's so confusing. I don't even have the brain power to go over it at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. It's, and we said at the beginning of this episode, it is two separate stories of two separate timelines and they jump back and forth the whole movie and they converge at the end and they converge beautifully. Like the way they were able to take these two different stories in two different times and and merge them, I thought it gives me a headache thinking of how they even decided to even storyboard that and how they were going to lay out the scenes. But I think they did it extremely well. It's like the mirror found a way to put itself at the auction house that Kaylee worked at because it knew all this stuff had to happen. Like it, it's just one big, that's an interesting take that, that, you know, maybe this, these things happen when they were kids because this was all meant to happen. Like it was just destiny that this was going to happen whenever they were adults. Yeah. That's an interesting take. Yeah. This, this is definitely something that, um, you know, I'd like to, I don't know, try to put more of an opinion together and have just like a, like an after show version of this to figure this out. Because, yeah, I mean, this could, this, this could go on for so long trying to. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so hard all this because there's no limitations with the mirror to, you know, that end scene could have been adult Kaylee. You also don't know what's real. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been adult Kaylee and it, it may have made her into like a kid again and would it made her feel like she was a kid again no we don't even know that may have been symbolic of like her inner child going to hug her mother again and we just seen it as symbolic we don't know what from a kaylee's perspective that was yeah one of the biggest problems with all this stuff with this movie is uh a lot of movies will you know, yeah, you got the characters are going through stuff and seeing stuff, but most of the time what we're seeing on screen is always what's really happening. In this movie, we don't know if what we're seeing is... Yeah, the characters don't know what the fuck they're No, there. this movie yeah. does a good <laughs> job of putting you in the place of the characters in the movie because we have sat here and talked about multiple things, which is it this way or is it this way? I mean, some of the stuff we have different opinions on of what we think we're looking at and the evidence that we have and this this movie we don't know what you know we can't really tell what the mirror is making up and what it's not all the time sometimes you can but a lot of times you can't the mirror regardless <clears throat> is a bastard and i will say though it's good like the mirror's good at what it does because there's there's multiple things in this movie where they get put in situations where i'm like damn well, I don't know what the fuck I would do. <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind about this mirror here in a minute. Uh, and I mean, this becomes an even an even more of a mind fuck thing. So so the definition of the word Oculus is uh, made up of kind of three different things. Uh, one, a circular or oval window. Two, a circular opening at the top of a dome. Or three. An eye. 
thought that was interesting considering that uh, he named this movie that, but that's not what this mirror is called. This name is not in this movie at all. So obviously it has something to do with the definition. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Because it's the, the Lazarus glass is what the, yeah, the mirror is actually, actually called in yeah. the movie. Um, so after Kaylee, and I, I remember I said, hey, hold on to these couple sentences because I had a light bulb when I was writing it. Remember that earlier? Mm-hmm. And we talk about um, this is the scene I'm talking about is when she has the nightmare and she walks up to the mirror and she gets like, kind of right in front of the mirror and then her father comes up, Alan comes up behind her and grabs her and slams her into the mirror. Remember. So after Kaylee has a nightmare in the beginning of the film, the last shots show her lying face up with her hands crossed over her chest like a corpse foreshadowing her eventual death. Now I wanted to add on to that. Of that same dream that she has that foreshadows her death, I think it foreshadows it even more because that's how she dies is getting the anchor sl- hitting her in the back of the head and pinning her into against the, the fucking mirror. Into the mirror, yeah. Yeah. So I think this this dream that she sees is almost like a warning of if you go if you if you bring this mirror back into your life, here you go. And this was one of the early things I had in my notes. Had I known this mirror's power, and I had been through this as a kid, and then researched it and found out all the people who never escaped, it's killed everybody who's ever had it, there's no fucking way in hell. I would just let it go. Oh, I, I would yeah. just let it go. I, there's no like, way. I can't, fight, I can't fight this thing. Obviously, I don't have magic. Even after the, you know, even if you were, after the stuff that happened when you were a kid, when you learn the history of it, like once I learned the history of what it was actually capable of, there's no way. Cause they didn't really experience much of the mirror as a kid. They watched their parents go yeah. through it, but they, they weren't seeing visions and stuff. So I could see her thinking that they were going to destroy it and take it out. But then, and reading all the, the history of it, there's no, there's just no fucking way. Yeah, once I came across this fact about this dream foreshadowing her eventual death, they don't actually talk about what happens in the dream. They're actually talking about um, how she's like laying on the bed or whatever. Um, but then as I was writing it, I was like, wait a minute. That's that's how she dies in the mm-hmm. end of the movie. I mean, it's not her father, but. No, but her, she gets pinned into the mirror face, yeah, face I first. Mean, the, the dream can't show her that a fucking anchor that she's built is going to. I mean, that'd be way too obvious, but. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. That is. Uh, if Mike Flanagan had agreed to do the film in a found footage style, this film would have been backed by a studio as early as 2006. So he held out for a long time because he didn't want to do found footage. Like every studio wanted it to be a found footage movie, which I think would have been a mistake. mistake yeah, with I, yeah, I you know what? I trust Mike Flanagan. If he thought it was a mistake, then Mike, I agree with him. Mike Flanagan for president. Yeah, the dude is a fucking phenomenal writer. I mean, he's an amazing storyteller. There's, I agree. I agree with that. If, yeah, if is, he says it, I agree. I don't hate found footage. I think that oh, found I footage love. is cool uh, most of the time. Uh, but this movie wouldn't have been... You know, I would love to see 
um, I don't know, like the footage that they shot on the cameras in the movie, like as an extra, like a DVD extra, Blu-ray extra, uh, I could watch some of this uh, story go in found footage, but the main movie itself, no, not a found footage movie. It would have been so hard to do as a found footage movie because so much of the stuff that's happening isn't really happening. Well, how do you, so the how do you, camera wouldn't be picking a lot. So how do you, you know, found like, footage, the going back in time shit? How yeah, would you found footage or that? like the, the her biting the apple. Like the, what a camera would have actually caught was just her biting into an apple and then just making a weird face. Like she thought she just bit in the glass, but the camera wouldn't pick that up. Like how would you convey these things like this movie does such a good job at putting you in the spot where you don't know what's real and you don't know what's fake because everything's happening at once. But a if it was found footage, it would only pick up what was actually happening. So how would we see these things that aren't actually happening, but that the characters are seeing that we're seeing as an audience? So, yeah, I think I love found footage movies. Um, they're not like my favorite genre of horror movies, but I there is some really good found footage. I love a well-done found footage movie, but I I agree with, with, with him on this one. Yeah, it would be, honestly, it would be weird for Mike Flanagan to have a found footage movie because his writing is so, man, I don't know, it's so complicated. His strength is in his storytelling. A found footage has to be simple because you're only getting these kind of shaky one, two person camera angles. And yeah, I just feel like a story that he is written would just, he would have to write a way more simple watered down story for him to make a found footage movie. But uh, are you ready for the big one? Cause this one's super cool. I'm ready. All right. So Mike Flanagan has included the Oculus mirror as an Easter egg in most of his movies and TV shows. It is in the basement of Ouija origin of evil. It is the, in the headboard in Gerald's game, the wall, it is hanging on the wall in the haunting of Hill house. And it is also in the overlook hotel in Dr. Sleep. And I went even further and checked it is in the fall of the house of Usher and it is in the best place they could be in. It is in the bar where they make the fucking deal right behind them on the wall. If you take both of them, you know, the brother and the sister mm-hmm. and they're sitting there, it is directly in the middle of them sitting back there. And this is what makes it really interesting to me is what if he includes this in all this stuff because this mirror is having some kind of part in all of this shit that's going on. There's so many possibilities. That's what I told. I said like it, it becomes to go to your head. It becomes so big that your brain Bro, have we never can't even take it. Notice this. Yeah. Or not even that we haven't noticed it. How would we've never heard about this? Yeah, it's in like midnight mass. It's in like I mean, dude, I could have created a whole fucking list of everything it's been in but it is literally like always in the background of some creepy ass scene and i'm just like dude like like fall the house of usher for for good example well, they make a deal with this, the devil that that's night what i'm too. saying and yeah. this mirror is hanging on the wall so does this mirror is this mirror connected to this story 
But unless you know the mirror from this this movie, you would never know that. Yeah, that that's that's wild. And the only people that actually ever really know about the mirror is people that are like negatively affected by it. So it's not like it'd be common knowledge amongst any characters about this mirror. Yeah, and you know the mirror's history, and then you know all all the people who's died, and and all of the series, and just you yeah. made the 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 comment of the guy who actually became skinny and successful, and did he make a deal with the devil? That is the fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. They make a deal with the devil to be super rich and successful, and they end up dying. Their well, his kids die in horrible ways because of it. Um, and then he ends up dying eventually, but they, they, I mean, that is essentially the, the story. So you wonder if, is this mirror involved in this story too? Shit. I don't know. Fuck you. Go back and watch that, that show. And it, there may be clues to it at this point. We never had the, the idea of the mirror in our head when we watched it. So we may have never picked up on it. No, and I, now I'm thinking like Midnight Mass. Was it in? Did he put it in Midnight Club? I think it is in Midnight. Club. Um, now, now I'm starting to think back at these stories. Midnight Mass was incredible. I'm trying to think because they're so long to remember the details and how things are connected. Um, makes me want to go back and rewatch it. And and another thing is, the mirror. Pe- people lose track of the mirror in its history in this movie, when she's trying to track it, she says there's chunks of time where nobody knows where this thing goes. She didn't know who had it before it came to the auction house. It doesn't even necessarily make sense of what happened to it when her parents died. Cause she inherited all their shit. She didn't get rid of the fucking mirror, but uh, yeah, it's just mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. But yeah, that, uh, like I said, that, the the amount of things that I'm probably going to think of that I wish I would have said right now, because now I'm probably going to think about this for hours and, and the stuff that that we can't even remember from from five different shows that if you go back and watch that you might put together. Man, might, that's really I cool. Might have to do some research and eventually have a side episode. That would be a good side episode. Uh, so let's do a ratings and kill count. Um, the kill count for this is a total of four. You have Marie Russell, Alan Russell, um, Michael DeMont, and Kaylee Russell. Uh, there wasn't really a lot to pick from from favorite kill. I went ahead and just went with Kaylee because it's the most shocking and the best kill. Same. Yeah, that was Same. Easy. That easy. Was, easy. That was the um, end, the, the big shock end, and it was the best kill. Easy, easy pick. It was really sad because I thought she was beautiful. God, um, she was. Uh, so, rating. Um, I went first last time, so you can go first this time. Man, this one's hard because after doing this episode, I, I already rated it high, but just knowing the, some of the connections and some of the stuff we put together, just talking like the dog thing and just even us talking through it that I realized, but I give it a 4.3. And I will say that before I watched this movie, uh, maybe it was a little lower, maybe like a four watching it in detail and really paying attention to it though. A 4.3. I may watch it again. It might go up to a 4.5. I don't know where it's going to even out at, but 
for now, four point three. Uh, it's it's an amazingly well written story. Uh, I love that the characters do everything right. It's not one of those horror movies with stupid ass characters. They do everything right, but they still lose in the end. The ability to tell two separate stories simultaneously and have them bleed together, I thought was done beautifully. Uh, the the all the acting was great. Um, all the main characters. There's not a lot of effects in this movie, but when there was effects, I thought they were done really good. I thought the people that the mirror had taken when they come back, and especially at the end where they're all in there, mm-hmm. it's really fucking creepy. I thought they did a good job with that. And just overall, a great movie. Highly recommend if you've not seen this movie, uh, it is especially if you're a fan of Mike Flanagan and you like a very well thought out complex story the hit everything he does to strength is in the writing and the storytelling um so you know if you're a fan of his and you haven't seen this or just if you haven't seen his uh this movie and you're not really familiar with his work check it out uh what what did you give it again a 4.3 i gave it a 4.2 hmm yeah, well, well the screen says 42 because I didn't put the dot in it, but does, it's not does, that good. Does that, have, uh, does that have an Adam next to it? Yeah. <laughs> Adam. I gave it a four, Adam two. Adam Allen <laughs> Russell. Uh, yeah, I gave it a 4.2. It is, oh man, it's so much more mind-bending than I originally ever thought. And that's one thing we've learned since we've been doing movies for this show is uh, you can watch a movie, but then when you watch a movie to the point where you actually have to explain in detail stuff about the movie to, you know, the world, uh, you watch it differently and you pick up on stuff that you would have never picked up on before. And this is one of the movies where you'll pick up on a lot of stuff you've never realized. Uh, I, yeah, I would have rated this movie, you know, probably a three something before, but this watch was way higher. So. Yeah, 4.2 for me. But uh, yeah, definitely check this movie out, especially if you love all of the uh, Netflix things that he's done in the past like five years. And um, I mean, this would be right up your alley, but certified really good movie from us. Just my mind's just blown by the the Easter eggs. Like the possibilities are endless. I swear to God, man, I'm going to, we're going to start a petition for Amazon to do a, like a mini series on the history, not not the history, but just some of the people who've had this mirror. Thank you guys for uh, checking us out, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, remember to follow, like, subscribe, whatever you're listening on. They do all do a bunch of different stuff. Hit us up on the social media, uh, of course. And uh, you got any last words? I don't have anything this time. I didn't prepare. Just mirror, mirror on the wall. Mike Flanagan for president. I'd vote for him. <laughs> <laughs>